All right, let's talk about the mysteries of heaven today. We've entered into the mysteries of heaven. It's kind of like, just for a while, we're given a little bit of what John saw when the angel said to John, come on up to the door of heaven and let me show you. And so we read back in an earlier chapter how John was invited to the doorway of heaven. And when he got to the doorway of heaven, he he looked out, or looked into heaven, and this great vision of the whole book of Revelation was given to him. That's pretty amazing. And I think in chapter 21 and 22, it's like we're kind of invited to come up alongside John. Now, we can't quite get as high up to the doorway of heaven and look in that John, but we can stand right beside John as he tells us what he sees. And that's pretty incredible. You realize that in the last two chapters of the whole Bible, God gives us a delightful view of many precious things that are to come. And they're marvelous. They're wonderful. What a joy and a delight it's really been to me just to be thinking about this new heaven and new earth as described in Revelation 21 and 22. I hope that many of you too, if you've been interested in that and you want to, that I hope you too have taken a little bit of time and just read these chapters and thought about them. And if not, that you will. If, if, uh, if it's as meaningful to you as it's been to me, it's just, it's a marvel. What a delight to think about the new heaven and the new earth. Although I know it does seem far away to us. It seems far away to me, but it hasn't seemed as far away since we've studied through the book of Revelation to me. I'm reminded that, that this will be a new heaven and a new earth. It's not the heaven that exists today. In fact, I've been thinking about that and what's different about the heaven that exists today and the heaven that is to come, the new heavens. And there's a lot of differences. Some of them, of course, we know and we speculate about far more than we know, but... The heaven that exists now is the heaven I'm thinking about that I've always sung about in the songs that we sing and I've thought about when I've been preaching at funerals and reading scripture and talking about the scripture that says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. That's the heaven that I think of most of the time. That's the one that my loved ones are in and those that you have loved who've known Christ are in today and I was just looking out while we're singing that last song, and I was kind of going row to row in this church, and just about every row, every person here, not everyone, but all but like three rows, I've known someone that you've lost. I've known of them anyway. I mean, when I think about that, that's pretty powerful. That heaven today that exists, if we're believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, think of what that heaven is like today. I'm thinking about the, what my mom and dad are doing. You know, is it at all like we think it is? Are they in the same place? You know, all those things that we talk about. My grandma Mosley, who was for me, she was a saint. She really was. 
I have so much to be thankful for. And then I think about you, and I'm, I'm looking. And just about every family, maybe because I've been around for a few years, I, I've known a lot of you, and your precious, her husband, your parent, uh, a child, uh, and so many others. But that's not the heaven that we're reading about today. That heaven will be gone someday and God is going to sweep into all of eternity everything that heaven is now and it will be into a new heaven. That's a lot to think about. I'm reminded that heaven exists now and every soul that has been chosen, has chosen faith in Christ is there. And someday there will be a reuniting of the body and the soul that will be an incredible newness to it. You know, several times in the last chapter, I make all things new. I am making all things new. All things will be new. We have read over and over again, God is preparing something for the new heaven and the new earth that will be very different and new. We're looking at this new earth and the new heaven today. Last week we focused on what... What will be new? And especially, I focused on the newness of who we are, our bodies, our spirits, uh, uh, the glorification, the purifying, the cleansing, the healing that, that God promises to all those that go into heaven, that all the scars and all the effects of living in a world with sin have on us and somehow God is going to wipe all that that away and he's going to take away and in the new heaven there'll there'll be a a completion a wholeness of mankind that doesn't exist today none of us are whole today all of us are impacted we're impacted by our experiences good and bad in our lives our family we grew up in the environment we're in Things that have happened to us that we had no, no opportunity to choose. Uh, people all over the world live in different circumstances. And I say thank God that God's the judge and the one that is looking at all of mankind. Uh, we, some, things we, some things we've brought upon ourselves because of our decisions and our choices, good and bad, and sins that have wrecked people's lives and caused consequences in everybody else's life around them. But someday in the glorification, I believe God is going to somehow heal and wipe away every tear from our eyes. That is so big to me about heaven. It's like I almost don't want to go on from there. But So I repeat it a little bit today. Be thankful that God's going to glorify you in heaven. And, and you're going to be whole. He's going to fix it all. He's going to help us all. He's going to clear away those things, those injustices, all that's accumulated on the earth. I just, God's going to do it, and he's going to make mankind new again. And that verse, it says, no more sorrow or crying or death or pain will all pass away. I make all things new, he said, and that's beautiful. Well, today we're moving on to other aspects of the new heaven and the new earth and what it will be like. And specifically today, I'm looking forward to focusing on the new heaven, the new earth, and a little bit about the new heavens. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 7 tells us, By the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and the destruction of the ungodly. The Bible has 
uh, told us throughout several places that the current earth and the current heaven is going to be gone, changed. He goes on to say in, uh, in, in the remaining part of, of this chapter, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. Notice, and everything done in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. So we have in Peter the words that help us to understand that there's going to be a big change. At the end of time, at the end of chapter 19, when we read about the destruction, when we read about the, the finality of judgment, and then at the end of chapter 20, when the thousand years are over and the final judgment of Satan takes place, there's going to be a sudden change. The same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire. In one moment, in one moment at the end, of chapter 20, I understand there will be a sudden and an instantaneous, I think, if I understand right, if I'm reading it right, there will be an immediate destruction of the old heaven and the old earth. And next, there will be an immediate completeness of instant new creation. If you go on to the next side, I, I might say it like this. In one moment, there is the old heaven and the earth, old earth, and God will wipe it away. And in the next moment, an incredible, unbelievable new creation of God will exist in a moment, I think. That's how I see it. Suddenly. There's no transition time of days or weeks or months or years. And that brings up another point that I said before that I think time ends at the end of chapter 20. I said because I really don't know of any other reference to time from there on. So I'm not sure how events can be measured in time. There will be events that take place, I guess, compared to one another. But you go from one moment of the old heaven and the old earth, its destruction, and the next moment will be this incredible phenomena that we read about in chapter 21 and 22. I'm not even sure that eternity will be measurable. When you think of what eternity is, I'm not sure that it will be measurable. Certainly, there won't be the same type of measurements as we have now. For example, <coughs> the scripture going to read talks about there's no more need of the sun and moon to give light. But that also infers to give cycle of day and night. And so things are changing. I'm not sure exactly what and in, in every way. If you look at verse tw or chapter 21, 23, it says, The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it. For the glory of God gives it light, and the Lamb is its light. I do take notice that this is describing the new heaven and not necessarily the new earth about the sun and, and the moon. And we'll talk about that when we talk about the heavens. But they are two separate creations. When he says, I'm making a new heaven and a new earth, that's two different things. 
It's not one thing. They're connected, but there is a new heaven and a new earth. They are two separate spheres of God's next creation. In one moment, destruction, and the next moment, a new heaven and a new earth. So let's pick up and read about the new heaven and the new earth. Read in chapter 1, starting at verse 15, and I'm going to read through the end of verse 27 about what it says specifically here about the new heaven and the new earth. Chapter 21, verse 15. The angel who talked with me had a measuring rod of gold to measure the city, its gates, and the walls. The city was laid out like a square, as long as it was wide. He measured the city with a rod and found it to be 12,000 stadia in length, and as wide and high as it is long. The angel measured the wall using human measurement, and it was 144 cubits thick. The wall was made of jasper, and the city of pure gold, as pure as glass. The foundations of the city walls were decorated with every kind of precious stone, The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third agate, the fourth emerald, the fifth onyx, the sixth ruby, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth turquoise, the eleventh jacinth, and the twelfth amethyst. The twelve gates were twelve pearls, each gate made of a single pearl. The great street of the city was of gold as pure as transparent gold, glass. I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light and the Lamb is its lamp. The nations will walk by its light and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. On no day will its gates ever be shut, for there will be no night there. The glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. (coughs) The new heaven, first, magnificent. I would say indescribable, but we're trying to describe it, and John did. But just imagine with me, This description and what it must physically be like. We know that it's the holy city for all of eternity. So the first description I have of the, the new heaven is it's a holy, holy, set apart place for all of eternity. It's a precious, special place. It will be brilliant in beauty and color and architecture. I know we all wonder about streets made of gold. Big deal. What's that mean? What really does that mean? The streets of gold. I mean, you know, we kind of sing that and talk about it. I'm not sure physically what that's going to be like. I don't know if when you walk on it, it looks like you're walking on nothing, but it's just... Absolutely beautiful. I notice that all these things that are in this chapter are what's beautiful to man and has been regarded as beautiful to mankind. Somehow God has known how we think and what we see and somehow he's 
either put that into our hearts because that's beautiful in a physical way, in a spiritual way, but also he recognizes what has seemed valuable and beautiful for the history of mankind. God knows that. And so whatever heaven is, the description John gives us is what we probably or mankind would probably think of as most beautiful. Descriptions of color and the stones that all deeply show a depth of beauty and design and amazing creativity. All these stones, some of which I probably don't pronounce right. At one time, I've gone to look at them. I went to Washington to the, uh, to the, the uh, Museum of Natural History, and I spent several days I've gone into that gemstone part of the museum. Absolutely incredible. I have stood in there, literally, for me, and I don't mean I do this all the time about things, but this is one of those times in my life where I was so amazed that I almost wanted just to stay there all day. There are some things that are there that are so incredibly in-depth beautiful, and they're just attractive in their coloring and their, their, their translucence and whatever the right words are, I'm not sure, but they just hold my attention. If you've ever been there, I don't know if you'd feel that same way that I did. But John is giving us a little bit of a description of the marvel of just the composition of heaven that we can somehow relate to in its incredible brilliance and beauty. I don't know what you would say is the most beautiful thing on earth as far as creation. But these descriptions are just incredible when you take time to, to really s- slow down on them and don't just kind of read them when you're laughing and, you know, yeah, streets of gold, you know, big deal. But, boy, when you think about how beautiful these things are, it will be a place where it appears that mankind will come and go in and out of the city. It seems to me that the creation of a new heaven and a new earth gives us an idea that mankind will go to and from earth and be on earth and also be in heaven, maybe back and forth. Maybe there's some kind of a a spiritual transport that takes place in the immediacy. But these are two specific places, heaven, the new heaven, and the new earth. And people will come and go. For one thing, the city has gates. Why would it need gates if people weren't coming and going? It just seems to make sense. And there's a verse here that we read, the kings will bring their splendor into it. So they will be coming into the city. If they're coming in and going out, and later we read that the kings of the earth will be coming into the city, there must be this travel back and forth. We think that Jesus went to prepare a place for us, and most of us, or at least I've kind of interpreted that, well, that must be my house. I don't know if it's a house or not. I don't know if it's a a room or a mansion, you know, as we sing about. But somehow all of us have an identity in heaven. 
I believe we'll also have an identity on earth as God's people that he creates a new heaven and a new earth so that we will be at home in heaven and we will be at home on the new earth and it will be a special way that we can relate to the creation of God, the spirit of God. We will be beings with a body and a spirit and somehow God is making both for all of his people when we get to heaven and the new earth. We read also the nations will walk within. It will come in. It will come through the gates. It will find the healing that's found in the great city. The city also we know is is massive in size. When you think about the dimensions of the city, they are so large. Think of the, the splendor of such a place. Think of the composition of the city itself. Think of the purpose of such a such a city. And then think about the size. Let's look specifically at the size of the city and what the Bible tells us about in the scripture. 12,000 stadia in length. That is about 14,000 miles. No, 1,400 miles. 1,400 miles is about 12,000 stadia according to the internet. Do you realize that the city of the new heaven will be literally 1,400 miles long. I don't know how long the largest city on earth is today. I don't know, 50, 60, 80. I don't know, maybe more in some of these places. But say it's 100 miles, a city. Well, this city of the new heaven will be 1,400 miles long. That's about the distance from Boston to Cuba, Havana. 1,400 miles long, one city. This is a literal city. Now, it's not just that long, but it's also 1,400 miles wide. So, that's from about Boston to Denver. Denver, Colorado. So, can you just think of the United States and, and a city? Now, this is a city where... Jesus has gone to prepare for all of us. From Boston to Havana, from Boston to Denver, that's a big city. Or Kansas City it may have been. 1,400 miles. You think, well, is that enough for all of God's people? I mean, I don't know if if the new bodies are going to be about the same size or bigger or smaller. I, I don't know, but we'll just say it's roughly the size of an adult. And how many people will be uh, redeemed then? I'm not sure. About 7 billion people live on the earth today. I think I read one point that about 7 billion lived up until this time. I'm not sure that that's right. I think I remembered reading that. But you have 14 billion, if that's right, 14 billion people. Of the redeemed, then Jesus is preparing a place for those people in a city that's 1,400 miles wide and 1,400 miles deep. But wait, that's not all. It's also 1,400 miles high. The new heaven is a cube. 1,400 miles wide, 1,400 miles long, 1,400 miles high. Now, I don't know if they're layers or floors or... Maybe it's nothing like we imagine it is. That's, poss- that's probably likely. But whatever the case, take our understanding of a city 
And think of that in the dimensions of how big it is. That's an incredibly large, large, large city that God is preparing for his children for all of eternity. And then you have the earth, the new earth, incredibly new. This massive city that's a cube, it's got incredible dimensions. 1,400 miles long, 1,400 miles wide, 1,400 miles high. Unbelievable complexity of colors and, and gemstones that we try to understand how beautiful they are. Jasper, we're told, it's made of. Jasper, pure gold. God will use and magnify the most beautiful things we can think of. I don't know what you would say is the most beautiful thing you've ever seen in life. I don't know what it would be, of course. But whatever it is, just think of the magnification of the Creator who created gold, who created babies, who created color, who created the rainbow, who created Yellowstone, who created the mountains in Alaska, who created all the animals and all the variety of life. Think of a God who's that creative, taking what we believe is beautiful and creating a new heaven and a new earth and filling it. How beautiful, how incredible that must be. That's amazing. Gates of pearl. I've never owned any pearls. I've never gone pearl collecting. I've seen a few. Yeah, they're, they're pretty, I guess. I know a couple times at the Smithsonian, I looked at a pearl and I said, Ooh, is that a pearl? That's pretty. The colors that came out of it was amazing. When they put their lights on it, you know, they have their lights. And it's like, I've never seen colors like that. A whole gate. Uh, that's amazing. Well, that's just about the layout of the city. Let's talk a little bit about what else we're told about the city here. There is no temple to go worship in the city. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> I mean, you would think... After all, we talk about worship and reading our Bibles and singing and meeting together. There'd be a temple there anyway. You know, something like the Mormon temple or something. You know, some big, marvelous gold and silver. No. Oh, we find out when we read this description, he is a spirit and we must worship him in spirit and in truth. If you think you can worship God by going to a building alone... And kneeling before something made of human hands, that's how, no. That's simply a tool to help us to worship a spirit God who's incredible. And this little description here I think is beautiful. There's no temple in the new heaven because the Lord Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. That's who we worship. We worship Him by having a heart that is humbled and open, and responsive to an almighty God. That's how we worship here too. But we do have buildings here because we're humans and we probably need them. 
But boy, when we get to the new heaven, oh, it'll be perfect worship. It'll be perfect relationship. It'll be perfect connection. See, all those things that distract us and I'm sure pollute us, we'll be gone. And as we live eternity out, we'll worship God constantly. Because that's going to be who we are and what we are. Fellowship, relationship with God. At least that's how I, I see this. A perpetual state of the glory of God. The Lamb. It says verse 23 is the lamp. <coughs> Can you imagine the radiance that's being inferred here? The radiance of God spiritually? I mean, we try to think of that today, and we see glimpses in the Bible, like in the Old Testament temple, and, you know, when, uh, when various people, Moses, for example, encountered the presence of God, what he felt or saw, the brilliance of it. I mean, we can't hardly describe that, but... Think of what this verse is saying, the glory of God and, and the lamp and how precious it is. Verse 23 says, well, let me start with 22. I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it for the glory of God gives it light and the lamp is its light. I know, I think this is kind of hard to, to get my... my you know, our, our minds around. So today, I'm, I'm trying, we're trying to do that. I am. Understand the glory of God. He is a spirit. He's not like us. And so in the new heaven, boy, will we really understand and connect to the spirit of the living God. We sing that song, Spirit of the living God. Fall fresh on me. Oh, we hope that. We sing that. We pray that. And God does that. But boy, when we get to heaven, whoo, the glory of God will be the light. And that's beautiful. It says the nations will walk by its light. The nations will walk by its light and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. Here comes man's part, one of man's parts in heaven. Do you know that that God is saying here that the kings of the earth, the people of the earth will add to the glory of heaven. We are not just second-rate creations to God. We are made in His image with the beauty and the wonder of the purpose that He's going to create the new heavens. Partnership's not the right word. But somehow God created us with the idea that he would spend eternity with man. And he would derive pleasure from mankind. And heaven seems to be in this description in these two chapters. Something about the also the wonder of the creation of man and how that will be a part of eternity. Go on to that next slide if you would. The nations will bring their glory into it. 
Think of that. The nations will walk by its light. References to them being in heaven, but also on earth and ruling on the earth. Somehow there'll be an existence of mankind on the earth again, I believe, that will be uh, more questions than answers, but somehow we will again be on earth. And it will be a different earth, a new earth. I don't know if it'll be exactly the same dimension or infinitely bigger. I don't know. But it's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. And mankind will also exist and dwell at times. I don't know. There's no day or night. So it's not like you go there and sleep at night or, you know, I don't know how it will be. But there seems to be two things that God's creating here. You know, when I'm reminded, when I read this verse about the the kings, I'm thinking about all the descriptions in the Bible that Jesus is called the king of kings. The idea of that. You know, he came on and took the body of a man when he came to earth. And when he went to the cross, he earned the place of the king of kings. When he died for our sins, he earned the place of the king of kings. I'm also thinking when I think about the earth in this way, I'm thinking of the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 5. The simple words. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. I think, it, was Jesus talking about something then? I'm not sure. That verse really seems to apply to the new heaven and the new earth. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Nothing impure will enter into it, we're told in verse 27. We're told at the end of chapter 19, chapter 20, chapter 21, the same thing. Nothing impure will enter into the new heaven and the new earth. But only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. And again, I think that's because of that glorification process. Only the redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Only those whose souls have been washed clean by the sacrifice of Jesus against the iniquity and the judgment of sin will be in heaven. The new earth. The new heaven. Where are they going to be? Somewhere near each other. Alongside. I think of heaven as coming down. So heaven will probably be above the new earth. But I don't even know if, if our spatial understanding will be the same of new heaven and new earth. It might be totally different than that. But somehow the, the two will exist. And they'll be interconnected. What do we know about the new earth? Well, it seems from every description we have that the new earth will be the renewal of the Garden of Eden and its perfection and its completion over the earth. I think it is. Again, these things are speculative. You might have a different idea about it, but it seems like the new earth will be much like the old earth, except it will be in the time of the Garden of Eden. Without death, without a tempter, without sin, without the possibility of man rebelling against God, but man enjoying the creation that God has made for him. The new earth will be the creation that God makes to give to mankind for all of eternity, to enjoy, to rule over. All the things that, well, most of the things, I'm not sure about all the things in Genesis chapter 1 and 2 will relate, but 
He is, it's giving it as a gift to mankind. Eternity with a purpose. Connection to God and one another. Mankind will rule. We find this throughout the Bible, little bits and pieces that tell us that different people, saints, those that have been martyred, there's just enough about it to pique our interest that there will be a structure of humanity somewhat like today, except it'll be one without conflict, one without evil. Every need will be supplied. We know that because there'll be no more pain or sorrow or crying or death. The old order of things has passed away, and now it's new. Many different nations and people will be a part of the new heaven and the new earth, which tells me that God values the nations, the peoples, the cultures, the variety, and they're all going to live together in harmony, and they're going to be beautiful. And they all will represent something spectacular of the creativity of God in humanity. Think about that. All the nations. They will exist alongside and be interconnected with heaven. So that the glory of the two places will be somehow for all of eternity lived out. And then for a moment this morning, and I'll be finished. Thank you for uh, allowing me the time that you've been so patient with the last few weeks. I'm grateful for that. But let's think about the heavens for a moment. Three scriptures from the Old Testament about the new heavens. Would you go on to those? Once again... I've lost some of my notes, but that's all right. Isaiah chapter 6. Well, go back to uh, 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 Psalm 148, that slide. Listen to these six verses from Psalm 148. It's very interesting to me about the new heavens. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise Him in the heights above. Praise Him, all ye angels. The Scripture's about... Praising from the angels. Praise Him, all the heavenly hosts. Praise Him, sun and moon. Praise Him, all ye shining stars. As if the whole creation can praise God. You know, we think, well, inanimate objects can't praise God. Who knows about that? Because this is saying that all those objects out there in the heavens praise God. That's just amazing to think about. Praise Him, you highest heavens. And you waters above the skies, let them praise the name of the Lord, for at his command they were created, and he established them. Listen to this, forever and ever. That's beyond the destruction of the heavens and the earth. He issued a decree, verse 6 says, that will never pass away. Wow. Just read that in thoughts to the heavens. And all that's there. Now go on to that next scripture. Isaiah chapter 65. See, I will create a new heaven and a new earth. The former things will not be remembered. So there's newness, specifically. And we'll be forgetting about the old that is burned up. Complete newness. This was written 2,800 years ago. 
Now one more, Daniel. We read this uh, many, many months ago when we read about Daniel. Chapter 12 is much about the end times we've talked about before. Listen to this verse. Those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens, and those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. Daniel thought about that. He thought about way back then the incredible truth of the existence of the heavens forever and ever. I think that's beautiful. And so when we think of the heavens, we think of the the stars and many other things. So what will the heavens be like? Speculation. Well, we know it will involve stars and many other, I think, worlds. That's the speculative part. But the heavens have to be incredibly amazing and creative as the earth is, at least. Who knows what God has made in the heavens that we have no idea about at our level of technology? The unseen creativity of God and what might be out there is absolutely, incredibly amazing. 150 years ago, or maybe 200, whatever, however far you want to go back, think of man's ability to understand the physical nature of the heavens. Before the telescope. And again, I know, you know, however far you go back. There was speculation about a lot of things. But God allowed man certain amount of technology to learn and study and put the projection up and all the things that brought into the ability to bring the heavens down to the earth in a little tiny, 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 tiny way. I just wonder... If in the new heavens and the new earth, God is going to unleash mankind to the understanding and the ruling of the universe and creativity. I like to speculate about that. And I know a few people, others, that I do. My son is one of them. And he had fun. And he and I talking about the possibilities of the heavens. And is it going to be that when God now gives mankind the new heavens and the new earth, that he's going to unleash the technology that we are developing, except there'll be no sin nature, there'll be no self-centeredness, that will be to the glory of God for mankind to understand the amazing creativity of God the Father in the world in the absence of, of evil. Uh, The last thing I'll say is down in the bottom, I don't think you can see that picture, but the words are indescribable. Your creator has no limits. Your creator has no limits as we think about eternity. We may be so far off of what we guess, but he has no limits. He is an amazing, powerful, creative, relational God. And I'm so thankful that he gives us glimpses as he did John the Revelator and we have in this great book. Thank you again for being here today. Thank you for listening for longer than normally I ask you to. Thank you. I mean that. I'll make it up to you someday, probably. Next week, next week, last message on the book of Revelation.
chapter 22. You've got to read it before next week. Oh, there's so much there, and it's beautiful. Thank you for enduring and being with us today and being a part of this study. May God encourage you and, and draw you to his heart, a great creative God. Thank you, God, for the heavens. Thank you for the earth. Thank you for this earth. God, help us to be the people in this day as we come out of this great vision, God, and we come back to who we are today, and we'll begin that in a couple of weeks. Help us to be the people that you want us to be.